Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Man, I just feel like I can't get a break. I'm just always, always going. Bitcoin never stops and apparently so do. I apparently don't stop either. Um, but yeah, this we, we have a crazy week of Bitcoin content ready for you guys. I think this is the first podcast to kick them off. Uh, but I'm super excited for the next f- four interviews on POV Crypto. This was a classic Bitcoin versus Ethereum conversation. Uh, while the whole point of this podcast uh, was to have conversations like those, and uh, we keep on having them, uh, but each one brings something new. Uh, and so Alex, Alex is this next iteration of uh, what the Ethereum versus Bitcoin conversation looks like because Bitcoin doesn't stop changing and neither does Ethereum. And so these conversations need to change as well to keep up. Yeah, but before we get into all the Bitcoin and Ethereum goodies, let's talk about the Haven app. Uh, Haven has been nonstop doing amazing. They've not only been putting out and developing this fantastic mobile uh, marketplace for crypto, but they're also putting out a lot of really good guides online about how to secure your privacy, uh, different organizations and platforms that you use every day like Google and what they're doing with your privacy and even talking about uh, tips and tricks on how to improve like your Gmail suite and stuff like that. So follow Haven on Twitter, check out some of the guides that they're posting as well as check out the Haven app. Again, you can use all the major cryptocurrencies to purchase everyday goods, to purchase cool things online, electronics, all inside the Haven app with no sign up. So check it out. And without further ado, Alex Svensky. You guys, I'm super excited to bring you one of the probably one of the most underrated Bitcoiners, but definitely putting out some fantastic stuff and of course, uh, an amazing product, the Amber app. Please welcome Alex Fetsky to the podcast. Alcom. Alex, how you doing, man? Good, man. I'm enjoying the sun on your roof. It's a um, great yeah. place to be. If you guys are seeing this on YouTube, you're going to see, oh, man, <laughs> Alex and David going shirtless. <laughs> guys, okay, fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the shirtless yeah. pod. All right, let's do it. The sun, it's just too, it's too nice out. It's too nice oh, out. Man. We got to go. Um, but yeah. It's sunny in Seattle, but I'm indoors. Yeah, so we, we are on my roof. Uh, it is sunny and beautiful. We have a nice view. And we're here, uh, we're here to talk Bitcoin. We're here to talk uh, Ethereum. But before we get into all of that, Alex, why don't you give us a little bit about your history and background and what you're doing today? Um... <clears throat> I think anyone who's listened to a podcast with me has probably like heard this a hundred times. So, um, entrepreneurial. Um, I'm really good at getting myself into trouble. Um, I I try different things, um, and throughout my life, I've tried a lot of things, different businesses, um, from gyms to markets to um, to Jesus Christ, uh, gold, silver. Uh, renewable energy, all sorts of things. But um, over the last three and a half years, I sort of, I feel like I found my calling with Bitcoin. Um, it's just something that, you know, it's, it's like a culmination of all the things that I've always cared about. And, you know, wh- whether, you, whether you look at it f- through a lens of like privacy, whether you look at it through a lens of self-sovereignty, whether you look at it through a lens of um, 
of you know uh, monetary strength um whether you look at it through a lens of like how you know society should function um whether you look at it through a lens of you know production being you know the the precursor to you know consumption like all, all these sort of tenets that i really strongly believe in um have seemed to have really coalesced um in bitcoin so it's just for me, I just find it really, really profound, and it's one of the only things that I've ever found, probably the only thing that I've ever found, that just really keeps me engaged. Um, and and no, no matter how much time I spend in it, like I, I just seem to get more and more engaged. Um, so anyway, um, a couple of years ago, um, you know, I was running around telling everyone to just buy Bitcoin, and you know, the the, the general theme was that oh, it's too hard, it's too confusing. Um, I don't know where to buy it, how much to buy. You know where to store it or any of that shit. So anyway, we came up with a concept that we we kind of looked at the Acorns model, um, and we wanted to help people round up their spare change into Bitcoin, so that way they could get exposure, but in a sensible manner. Um, and I've I've sort of been a fan of dollar cost averaging, not because I've done it throughout my life, but because I wish I did it. Like if I if I look back on my life, and if I was a bit more intelligent. Um, I would have dollar cost averaged into you know, shit like Amazon and all that sort of stuff for, for the last 10 years. But, but I didn't. You know, I, I was looking for like the quick wins and all that sort of stuff, trading derivatives. And it was such a fucking waste of time. Um, so, so I wanted to build a product that you know, really embodied you know, this, this method of dollar cost averaging. So we, we originally started off as a, um, as a roundup app and then we sort of you know, kind of pivoted, maybe pivots the wrong words too strong. Like we, we kind of evolved it into more a recurring investment dollar cost averaging app where you set an amount and a frequency and it's kind of like set and forget. And, and really the, the premise is that today the most important thing you can be doing um, for, for your future is to be accumulating or collecting Bitcoin. And the, the meme collecting Bitcoin is sort of what I was talking about on Pomp's um, podcast the other day. And it's kind of, a, it's, it's a der derivative of basically... Um, what Matt O'Dell and the guys have sort of done with stacking sats, right? It's the same thing. Um, but the reason I've sort of started using collecting Bitcoin is when I've done talks at um, at like university events and stuff to like noobs, you say stacking sats and they just, what the fuck are you talking about? Whereas collecting Bitcoin is just sort of a little bit easier to um, to, to, to help them understand. So um, It's the new version of stacking sats. Stacking sats for Bitcoiners. Stacking sats is for Bitcoiners, space, exactly yeah. right, exactly right. So th this is sort of for noobs um, and for pre-coiners. So anyway, so, so, so that's basically me, the, the premise um, of the app. Um, What's it called? Know, uh, it's called Amber. So you can look it up, amber.app. Um, unfortunately for anyone in the US or anyone <laughs> listening that's not in Australia, I apologize, I can't help you at this point in time. Um, ideally we'll be in Europe. Uh, uh, early next year. Um, I don't know if we're going to come to the US. Um, you guys... We suck to do business with. What can you say? Yeah, I mean, you guys are too busy trying to fucking, you know, regulate everything differently in every state. Keep yeah, the status exactly. quo. So, um, so I don't know. I'll, I'll, um, I'll see. May maybe we'll come here. Maybe we won't. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll decide on that later. But um, yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll sort of cap it off with like one, one of the things that I really love about the product is um, is like I kind of view Bitcoin as this, it's contrarian in its, you know, how it, it's this low time preference concept or this idea that, um, you know, that, oh, how can I put it? Um, values. I think you really said it right on Palm's episode. I really liked how you called it a, an accumulation Correct. game because 
all of all of life is a set of games yep. that you play. Uh, and especially when we talk about cryptocurrencies, is every every attack vector is a game that you need yep. to control for. Uh, and so one of the games is collecting. Uh, yeah, I really like that um, model. And, and th that is inherently something that um, presupposes the, you know, one should, you know, optimize for the future instead of um, optimizing for today at the expense of the future. And, and I think that's just such an important concept. So, so what I like about the product is that it, it, um, it kind of does that because, you know, it's, it's not a product where you can go and, you know, buy you know, hundred grand worth of Bitcoin. Like, you know, it, it's it, the only way you can use Amber is um, two dollar cost average and be sensible in the way you um, in the way you accumulate. So, anyway, that, that's that's enough about me and the product. But that that's basically the um, the overview. Is is a low time preference? Is that uh, meme specific to uh, crypto? Is that Safedine's meme, or is time preference a subject that that came uh, before it's, crypto? It's a, it's, a, it's an economic. Um, uh, concept so you know they, Austrian they, well Austrian like it's, it's in all economics basically you know they, they talk about you know the discount rates and time preferences right so there's there's a branch of um, economics called ecological economics and that you know their whole thing is it's it's still predicated on um, some form of central management but the idea is that the, the central management is not dictated by um, you know GDP and consumption per se but it's it, yeah so, so it's about setting a time preference that is um, ecological um, for the world and then Building the um, you know the or adapting the variables within the economic system to achieve that time preference. So um, so so it's definitely a thing in um, economics. And you know I, I guess what the Austrians would argue if I was to distill it is um, that you know one shouldn't set a time preference. You know time preference should be set. You know should should be a subjective thing that everyone sets on their own. Um, and may the best time preference win effectively. Um, and that that's sort of what I go towards. I think like central banks uh, controlling interest rates is, is kind of like them controlling time preference, right? Like if yeah, they yeah, if they yeah. lower interest rates, they're they're saying like, okay, prefer, prefer today, and that's what they did. Increasing uh, time preference. Correct. Is, yeah. What was that? They, they try time, to yeah, increase right. your mm -hmm. time preference because it's right. good for the economy, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah, like so, oh eight comes and and the world crashes, and then all of a sudden we all need to. Uh, we're all fearful about the future, and so we need, and we're fearful about like paying our bills and, and getting the food on the table, and so they lower interest rates to zero, so they can increase everyone's time preference or the world's time preference to today, because you know that's what happens when when you are scared, uh, and then sure. the, the goal is to increase interest rates so we can all increase time preference uh, or decrease time preference. Excuse me. So yeah, uh, decrease. Yeah. Um, so. Wait, let me jump in here. So I kind of got a nice little nugget out of here. And I think from here on out, whenever uh, interest rates are going to be manipulated, I might as well just call that time preference manipulation. Mm -hmm. But I think that is kind of the root of the Bitcoin fixes this yeah. meme and narrative as well, is that um, time, like these interest rates and time preference manipulations are very, very effective. And it is really, it, it changes how people function. Like this is the essentially the fabric of our decision making is kind of rooted in this and you know if we change the paradigm to bitcoin then you know it changes a lot of our issues or you know kind of turns them over on their head yeah that, that's one of, yeah correct um i think you really distilled well there is um when you look at any system and all systems function off um some sort of uh 
positive and negative um, inputs, outputs, and feedback loops, right? So, like, you look at um, the, you know, biologically, you know, we, we, we uh, respond to pleasure and pain. And, you know, if we do something stupid, like put our hands on a fucking fire, we get pain. So, as a result, hopefully we become smarter and don't do it again, right? Um, you do something good, you get pleasure, and then you sort of optimize for that. So, so life is this, con you know, continual process of optimizing because um, you, you've got a, a spectrum, you, you've got an incentive spectrum, effectively. Um, and, you know, in an economy, the incentive spectrum is, you know, uh, now or later, effectively. Um, and w where we sit on that spectrum, I, I don't think there's an absolute answer for that. You know, it, I, I think that's a, a variable, you know, that will always change. And part of the, um, part of it being a variable is that you know, different constituents within a society or an economy at different points in time will be on a different point in the spectrum, and you know, whatever they're doing will um, will translate. Uh, will be um, you know, will be most effective with a particular um, being in a particular point in that spectrum um, of you know now or later as an incentive. So, um, yeah, like when I try and you know pitch, you know a. a you know, a Bitcoin denominated world and how, how an economic system like that would function, you know, it, it's not, it, it even, it, it transcends even the idea of just low time preference. It's, um, it just, it really is like Bitcoin is a, is an economic system that functions that allows you to set your own time preference. Cause if you want to fucking spend it, you can, if you want to hoard it, you can. It's just that today the narrative and the, the most logical, um, approach is to adopt a low time preference mentality because it's an asset that is forming um, or it's a money that is emerging and and that's why like this whole hodl meme has come around is because that's just the most fucking logical thing to do today you know um, and, and that's all going to evolve and change and because you know and you know maybe we'll get into this during the talk is because Bitcoin's separating money and state like we, we have an opportunity to redefine uh, state and community or society, you know, um, for the first time in a way where we can't, you know, individually manipulate the resource through which we measure society, uh, community, and the people and the constituents within it, which is, you know, money. So anyway, that's um, that's a long thought. Yeah, no, I, I totally see it, uh, and I kind of see uh, this world that that's going to come where we have this hard asset that um, that everyone wants to to hold their value in. But I don't. But dollars or fiat currencies, government currencies, they're they're not going away, right? Like they're just, they're still going to be around. Uh, they're just not going to be the predominant uh, way that people hold their wealth. And I kind of see the way that, um, especially when we look at Argentina, uh, and and we've had uh, uh, Mariano Conti uh, on the podcast talk about this a number of times. He he lives in Argentina and he uses Dai uh, for his to store his wealth. Uh, but he mm -hmm. he sells his dye for Argentine pesos because you have to use the peso to buy buy stuff, and so he within he, that jurisdiction within that jurisdiction moment, yeah. right uh huh and so he he holds his wealth in dye and he sells the minimum amount to spend uh, to buy what he needs and I kind of see that's going to be the same model for this new hard asset that's coming Bitcoin and I think Ether, uh, and so like we're, everyone's going to hold on to their preferred hard asset. And then sell into fiat in their local jurisdiction for the the minimum amount of that fiat just to buy whatever they need to buy. So, do you think that's the end game, or do you think that's the transitional game? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, the logical conclusion probably is just going straight from, from Bitcoin to Bitcoin or Ether to Ether. But I think that might happen when we die, after we die. Yeah, okay. I, I would argue that it'll probably happen a bit quicker than that. But um, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I think t- time, timing, like there's a saying, right? It's like, um, I, I can tell you when, but not, uh, I can tell you when, but not what. Mm-hmm. Um, or I can tell you what, but not when. Right. right? Uh-huh. So, it's um it's one of those things like i i feel like the momentum is going to be a hell of a lot um quicker because you know we're, we're talking about the um the asset through which we measure our input into society and at the end of the day they'll come up they'll come an inflection point where you know people realize that and for for their own self-preservation there will um there'll be a fucking rush toward it it won't be clean though that's the thing like that you know the i i've kind of spoken about this before i i sort of think the, the world is kind of going to break up into factions you know like you'll have fed coin um you'll have china coin you'll have corporate coin which is some you know kind of iterational version of like what libra is doing mm-hmm. and then you'll have the one free open money that's owned by the constituents of mm-hmm. society that you know has stronger attributes purely because it's owned by everyone mm-hmm. um you know and it can't be manipulated or changed and that'll be bitcoin um and then you know that that's sort of like i think if we if we look at this in stages i feel like you know we're in stage one today um you know, the, the first things to fall over are going to be, you know, the smaller fucked up currencies right. that just don't have the liquidity, the strength or the, um, demand. you know, the trust of their constituents yeah, and, and the demand. Liquidity too. Um, yeah, liquidity as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so, so they'll sort of be the first ones to fall over. And, you know, what will happen is people will rush to these, you know, stronger currencies backed by stronger nations. But, you know, there'll, there'll be a good few who, um, who rush to the, to the corporate and to the Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone flees and, up the hard stack. Correct, exactly, or, or or at least um, the um, you know the you know in the fiat sense like the military stack, <laughs> it's, um, you know. So that's hardness. You know, who, Mil- military power. Yeah, is hardness. yeah, yeah. Well, it is a form maybe, of hardness. Yeah, maybe not is. the hard. So the dollar is hard for most of the world. It's just yeah, not yeah, hard yeah. for Americans or the American government. But yeah. for the most of the world, it's both you know extremely liquid and hard. Yeah, correct, correct. So it's got the, the two of the most important attributes. So so it's not going to be like you know we're going to dethrone the dollar tomorrow. But I feel like that is sort of going to be, you know, the, the factions that the world splits up into. But longer term, um, you know, when you're when you're a participant in a society where you actually get rewarded for production, um, and you know, I, I just believe that's going to be where all the brains are going to go. So all the the best production, the smartest people, you know, all, all like the the best form of society is going to build around the strongest economic primitives, um, and as a result what you'll end up having is decay in the others while you have growth and momentum in this one. So mm-hmm. longer term, I think it'll all end up converging onto Bitcoin. And that's sort of why I'm a you know, real you know, proponent of the, um, of the convergence you know, of money um, mm-hmm. as opposed to the fragmentation of it, particularly in the digital age. Totally. Um, and a large part of your podcast with Pomp was talking about how there's actually nothing else out there. Uh, it's not, there's not this cryptocurrency world, it's, it's Bitcoin. Uh, and I'm totally yep. ready to hop on board with that uh, because <laughs> because when you look at the fees that people are paying to other blockchains, they're basically zero, except for yep. Ethereum. Uh, Bitcoin is taking in like $300,000 in fees a day. And then Ether is, Ethereum is taking in like $270,000 a day. Um, that I need to update that figure. That is, is that true post? That's not. Is yeah, that that's true not post, true. Uh, uh, Fairwind. Fair yeah, no, it's not. Uh, but but <laughs> someone it's, get another Ponzi. But still, yeah, 
<laughs> so uh, give, give me uh, give me some real numbers, man. Don't give, don't give me that shit. Yeah. Well, that that what came out of. Let me let me go to the um, Coin Metrics website and get the most up to date numbers. Um, uh, for the record, Fair Win is a Ponzi scheme, but it's also a game. Like the point of it is that it was a Ponzi scheme, like that it was a game that yeah, people yeah, were yeah, playing. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't like BitConnect. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Metrics. It's um, not the first but the, the point is, is like, yeah, there's been a couple, yeah. There are only two blockchains that are in, taking in any meaningful amount of fees, uh, and that's that's why that's why I always will include Ethereum in this uh, hard block, uh, blockchain world, is because um, we know people are using it and we know there's there's demand for it, uh, and so everything else everything else is just you know an experiment or or you know a curiosity, except for the blockchains that are taking in fees. Yeah, correct. But I, I feel like that's, um, you know, if, if we look at this on a long enough time frame, like anyone through, um, you know, through a bit of hype, um, you know, and an influx of capital can create a blip on the chart for a short period of time, i.e. a couple of years, to make it look like in the short term there's something there mm. when in reality there isn't. And, and that's sort of my argument with ETH because it doesn't have the primitives um, that Bitcoin has. So, so as a result, you know, the... And and we're just seeing it in the price and the fucking network dynamics, man. Like all, all of the um, all of the capital is going to be stored on Bitcoin. No one's going to fucking store any capital on Ethereum. No fucking way. Like you know, the, oh, there's there's some disagree. people who are playing games, um, but you know, over time, like for um, Bitcoin's just got so much more um, momentum, strength, and like I said, that the primitives that make it a hard money are there. Uh, and they're primitives that I don't think um, Ethereum has any chance of. Um, uh, so wait, let's dive into those primitives. Like, okay. what do you think distinctly set Bitcoin apart? Um, keeps things. All right. So let's look at. Um, Here we go. Okay, Two hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars Bitcoin received over a seven-day average. This was as of uh -huh. the first. Um, and then Ethereum was receiving two hundred and thirty-three thousand over a seven-day period daily. Yeah, g give me. But do, do you have something over the last year though? Because th this is um, no, I don't. Yeah, that that that's the thing. So like, we we need to look at something over the last year because the last time I looked at these numbers, um, Bitcoin had ninety percent, mm -hmm. uh, Ethereum had five percent, and everything else. Oh, sorry, it was like Bitcoin ninety percent, Ethereum like six or seven percent, mm -hmm. and then everything else like three percent. Well, yeah, but also at so, the same time, crypto ex moves really really fast. So if we take data from a year ago, that's that's discounting, uh, you know, recent data, which is important. Oh no no no! I'm not saying from a year ago. I'm talking about a yearly uh, average. Yeah right. Yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah yeah yeah. Like you'll you'll see a yearly average. Bitcoin will be at least minimum eighty percent, if not more. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just once. So th there's two parts here. First, we've got you know Bitcoin's immaculate conception. So you've mm -hmm. got this thing that, you know, which Ethereum has the, its version of. Uh, a, a version, correct. So mm -hmm. I can't argue with that. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I, I would I would argue that um. The, the one thing in the world we can't replicate, and this is sort of, you know, one of the things I love about Bitcoin, you know, and kind of defining it as a time chain is like it's the first time we've been able to move forward in time in the digital realm without, you know, or, or, or it's more difficult to reverse time than, you know, move forward in time, right? So the incentive is to move forward. Um, in the real world, when something happens, we, we actually can't go back in time and replicate that. So anything that happens later is just... Um, a version or an iteration, you know, mm -hmm. or it's something else. It's not what happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Bitcoin launched in 2008. Like it was, it was the zeitgeist of the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was, it was initially dismissed. That was so fucking important for the early days of Bitcoin. It was initially, you know, um, 
given away like it, its supply issuance schedule is so important that initial like um, rollout um, and that initial uh, chunk of coins being so like fucking cheap and like sent out there without any pre-mines without anyone right. you know really um, owning that shit imagine if the federal reserve bought into bitcoin in 2009 and they were like mm -hmm. oh yeah we're gonna get into mining well then all the federal reserve mm -hmm. would just have all the bitcoins yeah correct but um i mean that that that's a thought experiment so so that's right. fine in theory but in practice it didn't happen right right that's what that's what i'm, I'm totally agreeing with you i was saying it's really important that the, you know the big players dismissed oh, yeah, it yeah, okay, for yeah. so the little guy yeah, yeah. The, the believers could hop correct, in and place yeah correct and, and and that initial cohort was so important because you know, Bitcoin wasn't, you know, this thing that was just built in 2008. Like the, the whole Bitcoin dream started 30, 40 years ago with the um, with the cypherpunk manifesto and this idea that we need private communications and we need a method of money mm -hmm. through, through which we can transact privately and in a manner that is uncensorable because as technology expands, you know, the, the, the powers that effectively run that technology, like technology concentrates and it effectively centralizes. So if we end up in a world where um, the people who run the world have a disproportionate amount of power and ability to, you know, tap communication and run the very resource through which we measure society, i.e., money. Like right now. Like right now, right? Um, you know, it, it's a very, very precarious uh, place for the world to be. So, you know, that the Cypherpunk Manifesto initially said we need to get private communication, and the second holy grail was um, was a, a an uncensorable money. So, you know, the, the way it was um, initially. You know, uh, adopted by the cypherpunks, then the libertarians, and you know that sort of real focus um, and ossification around it being a money, a, a monetary phenomenon, not something else, was really important. Then obviously Satoshi disappearing was really important, and then you know the the adversarial environment that it grew up in, like you know people fucking trying to define what it is and who it is and what it is and who fucking runs the show and all this sort of stuff, and then the um you know the 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 it's rapid ascent to um, being this, you know, ASIC sort of um, operated uh, network. So you've got a really high degree of compute power um, coming into it. Like I, I think, you know, if you look at the stats again of the compute power of Bitcoin compared to everything else, I think that's another extreme Pareto law, which is something like 95 to 5, you know, against everything else. Um, so, so all of these things happen in the early days. And then, you know, that, that sort of... Um, immaculate initial um, inception was really important to lay the foundation for you know the the economic primitives of an ideal money which are you know scarcity fungibility um, you know uh, unforgeable costliness durability blah 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 all, all that sort of stuff but most importantly the fixed supply component like money as a concept or as a good or as a thing through which we measure society is literally there to map uh, work, energy, and time uh, in, in society. And work, energy, and time are these fixed things. So as a result, money should also be fixed. Like, that is the fucking gold standard element of Bitcoin. Um, pardon the pun, but it's, um, you know, this idea that it's fixed and known like a, like a, like the, um, like the speed of light constant, you know. Mm -hmm. fr from, from the speed of light constant, we're able to then derive all of these physical laws through which we can understand and measure society physics and, sorry, physics and the world around us, right? Um, you know, we haven't been able to do that, uh, you know, in economics. And we're, we're able to do that with this fixed constant that can literally be used to map work, time, and energy um, in society. And, and that piece right there 
forms the basis of um, Bitcoin's uniqueness. And then from there, you start to get other network effects, which is the speculative network effect. You start to get liquidity and liquidity just begets more fucking liquidity, right? So as something becomes more liquid, that that starts to really become a runaway train. And, and that's the point at which we are now. So because then Bitcoin is this economic phenomenon, you know, liquidity makes it more secure. The more secure it is, the more liquidity it attracts, the more capital it attracts. You know, it's a very simple um, value proposition to understand. Uh, it's a fixed supply network with more capital coming on. It drives the unit price of the, you know, the, the units on the network in a you know, direction that's up and to the right. Um, people understand that. Institutions will understand that. The capital in the world will understand that. And, you know, the very definition of store of value is knowing your proportion to the whole. Like, it's the only mm -hmm. thing where we actually know what the store of value is. So all of these elements just make it so, so much uh, more superior to anything else on the market that it's just going to suck all the capital out. So anything in the, um, in the short to medium term, I just believe, you know, for those reasons, it's just noise. Yeah, anyway, I talked long enough. You're no, 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 no. And, and, and all of those, and this is what, originally when I started this podcast, I didn't understand that stuff. Um, and I, I actually, it took me a while to, to get around to the whole, um, to, the, to, to basically the Bitcoin standard. Um, the, yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of what you- telling you, what you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yes, you were. But also, uh, and what I keep on telling you is that uh, Bitcoin doesn't have a monopoly on this. Uh, and then, and 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 especially well, it does have it with simple proof of work blockchains, uh, and so and and especially when we talk about like this world of you know you can choose your own money, you can choose Fed coin, mm -hmm. you can choose corporate coin. Uh, there's also there's not going to be just one people coin. There's not going to be just one option for people to choose a currency that's by the people for the people. Um, I agree. There there won't be one, but it'll all converge over time to one because people's right. self interest is more important than their mm -hmm. curiosity and their desire to fuck around. Yeah, just to add on to that, this is where I like to make the distinction. I feel like a lot of Bitcoiners they don't communicate this well. But when we say like buy Bitcoin and you know these other things aren't worth your time, it's not that they're not technologically, sociologically. Um, useful or whatever it's actually that they're just a bad investment compared to Bitcoin yep. like you know we don't like to say this is you know this is investment advice on the podcast but we usually the Bitcoiner argument is really tethered on investment advice so when it comes to like what is gonna get the most buying power over time we full-heartedly think it's it's gonna be Bitcoin because of the things that differentiate it like Alex pointed out yeah, so I, I want to go through kind of where I see like a lot of the things about the Ethereum ecosystem map onto Bitcoin story as well. Um, starting okay, with like sure. the, the immaculate conception, right? Um, the, the immaculate conception is so powerful is because Bitcoin created this, uh, this knowledge that cryptocurrencies can be really valuable. Uh, and so anytime that you want to start spin up a cryptocurrency, it's out of the greed uh, of wanting it to, to pump like Bitcoin did. Uh, and so yep. it, it came first and now no one else can have a fair launch because it, it was that standard. Um, Correct. And so, right. And then, um, you know, the, the part of the story is the immaculate conception of Satoshi disappearing. Mm -hmm. And so, it, but, and so Ethereum has this rhyme to this whole story, right? Uh, Ethereum was launched without the intention of ever being money or a store of value asset. It was just launched to be this world computer. And that was the narrative that 
that we that Ethereum started with is like this global world computer blockchain. We don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but we know it can compute stuff. Um, and in, instead of Vitalik being pseudonymous and then stepping away, what instead happened was developers came in and diluted Vitalik. And so Vitalik's still around, but his control over the chain has been dispersed to a community. And so where, uh, and this is actually really maps on to Bitcoin as a whole, where Bitcoin tries to be more and more reductive and become simpler and simpler. Uh, in Ethereum, we are adding on stuff. And so we're, we're, we're adding developers. And so uh, it, where Bitcoin succeeds by becoming more simple, Ethereum uh, and, and becoming more and more uh, ownerless, Ethereum succeeds by adding uh, developer liquidity. And so Ethereum has this massive moat of developers and that is it's kind of it's it's you don't get to do that twice right like every single uh, smart contracting blockchain that has come out has totally failed in pulling in any meaningful amount of developer activity no, no that, that's not true you can do that twice because what you just need to do is incentivize developers we haven't seen that you, be possible eos pulled in four yeah, billion dollars and they couldn't do it yeah but that's because dan larum is a fucking scammer and decided to buy right. um you know real estate instead so so that's um <laughs> You know, I mean, the, the competition wasn't very strong there, right? <laughs> like, you know, well, that's so because let's... we've we've sh- we've shot every possible opportunity because everyone wants to just build on Ethereum. Well, not really, because I mean, okay, so, so so tell me what what's what's the end game for? So what 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 do you think Ethereum's trying to do? Like, right. Okay. I, I mean, you, you're talking about you know gain, gaining all this mm-hmm. developer right. you know infrastructure. Like, so here here's where Ethereum's hardness comes. Um, and so we have proof of stake Ethereum. And we have the algorithm for Ethereum's monetary policy. And so there's constant issuance. There's constant um, inflation's not right, but uh, in, uh, increasing supply. But everyone can get access to that increasing supply. So accessing that supply is totally permissionless. All you just need is, is other Ether. Uh, and then we also have EIP-1559, which will get implemented into Ethereum 2, uh, which uh, is kind of like the taxes on the system. Um, it's different from just paying the chain fees. It's you actually burn ether, and so uh, a criticism of proof of work is that it's it's uh, capturing the Bitcoin blockchain kind of in a way, uh, and so when you pay fees to the chain for the economic security in Ethereum, this will get burned, which benefits all Ethereum holders um, at large rather than just the stakers, uh, and so it, it, incre- okay. it decreases the supply based on the economic activity of. The chain and so if ethereum the ethereum economy goes grows and more and more people are using it uh the the supply of ether goes down which incentivizes people to come and stake their ether which everyone can do and everyone knows the hardness of ether based off of the algorithm so it's not it's not a finite number it's a, an algorithm but it's hard just the same it's hard as in no one can change it and yeah, so there's also that, there's also doesn't this that part. then disincentivize the use of the ethereum network then so well, that, no, that because of time preference, right? Like if you want to, if you want to uh, execute something on Ethereum, it's because you value that that transaction to happen right now, rather than in the future. It's going to cost you more all of a sudden. What do you mean? So, so it's going to cost you more because the the supply is being constricted. Um, right. So, so, so basically, it it then disincentivizes use of the network. But see, th- this is where I get confused about Ethereum is that the basic premise that you know you guys sort of use to substantiate uh, Ethereum's value is that there'll be a high degree of use. Mm-hmm. But now you're trying to build things in which fundamentally disincentivize use and try and um, increase 
you know, hoarding as a, um, you know, as a way to, you know, lock in value on the networks. So, so that, that, that just, why is that any different that, from that, Bitcoin? If you're supposed to be um, holding your Bitcoins and never spending them, you're not supposed to be just holding your Bitcoin. So, so it's that, what I said earlier was that that's just the most logical do, thing to do today. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, Bitcoin's not about, um, you know, how many people are building smart contracts on it or how, how many people are doing that stuff. Like Bitcoin is about being a fixed supply asset. And that's mm-hmm. right there. Like tr- trying to fuck around with, you know, burning shit or increasing <laughs> shit and trying to find a balance between those things, mm-hmm. I think is just the fool's game because the, 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 the thing here that we got and the, the one-off opportunity we had was to create a fixed supply asset. Totally. That has never existed before and it never will again. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a one-time event. Um, and, and, so, and that right there is the Achilles heel for anything else because anything else is just going to create mm-hmm. and, and, and try and create some artificial version of getting the same result that a fixed supply thing has and just create a Frankenstein version of it. Yeah, and so th- this is actually where I think Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and the future currencies of the world are actually non-competitive. Um, and so I, I think there's going to be, at least with when it comes to money by the people for the people, there's going to be mm-hmm. three versions. One's Bitcoin, one's Ether, and one's DAI. And so Bitcoin gives you this uh, secure uh, ass- um, assurance of supply, right? 21 million. Uh, mm-hmm. DAI gives you assurance of value stability. So like a different kind of store of value, like storing the same amount of value over time, which is really important that's for not, businesses. That's, no, 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 that's not, that's not store of value. That's price stability. Very, 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 sure. very different concept. Yeah. Just different, okay. Very different concept. That, that word. Uh, and then there is uh, Ether, which is your like capital asset. Like it accrues, it has its own native interest rate, uh, which if you hold it, you get it. Um, and then there's ways that the interest rates go up and down. Uh, and so depending on the uh, economics of the world around it, it will incentivize more or less staking. And so these yeah, three that, monies I mean, that, are going to be mm-hmm. the, the three people monies in my, in my view. I, I, well, I mean, I just feel like we're, we're, we're recreating and fucking around, you know, with effectively what we have today. Like, mm-hmm. um, you well, cause this, like the U S economy works. Right. And so the, the whole way that the Ethereum won't. Well, no, it's worked so. It's everyone wants dollars. It's the greatest economy that the world has ever seen. Uh, it's just, it's just the least smelly pile of shit that we have. Right, and so we, what Ethereum is doing is is taking that same model, which the the model is you have the bond market, which upholds the U.S. economy, and then you have the IRS, which pays for the security of the economy, uh, and then you have the store of value dollar, and all of these things. You also, have, you also have the military. Right, right, well, yeah, right. But that's what that's what we're paying for when we collect taxes, and then also inflation. And so, like all of these things are, it's a circular economy. Economies are always circular, right? Like the government yeah. says, like here's the dollars, here are dollars. Now go collect them because you have to pay taxes in them. And so it's kind of creating mm-hmm. the circular economy. Ethereum's mm-hmm. Ethereum's created that same model, but now it's done it without the corruption, without the mal mal incentives. Really, uh, without the corruption? I, I yeah. feel like it's just done it on a bunch of quicksand. It's done it on a bunch of quicksand where, um, you know, at different points in time, you know, as the narrative suited different members in the, you know, higher up Ethereum community, they've changed the fucking narrative a hundred times from world computer to ICOs to collectibles now to DeFi. We're um, discovering now, our you know, narratives. We're not re- recreating them. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but that's, that's, that is, that is the antithesis to, to, you know, to, to a hard money like it is literally so like why why was gold superior to tin because of or to lead right 
Well, tell me, what are the attributes of gold? The, I mean, the, when we're talking about the value of it, it's because of the hardness, right? Because everyone wants no, it. Define define hardness. Let's just get into this because this might this might help. So so what what was unique about gold that other metals didn't have? Uh. uh everyone wants it. Why? Because of its hardness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's dive in. So let's understand uh, gold's hardness. Do you, do you know that gold is the only chemically inert um, metal on the planet? Right, like it costs more to... Yeah. You, we can make more gold with alchemy, but it costs more to do that. No, no, no. Then, no. Then well, it's worse. I say chemically inert. Chem chemically oh, inert yeah, yeah, yeah. Means that stable. it doesn't react. Right, yeah, it's stable. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Cool. Uh -huh. So, so that, that was very, 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 very unique um, about gold because every other metal would corrode with something um, or, or something would happen. So that way, you know, it was, it was hard to distinguish. Um, you know, it wasn't very durable, blah, 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 blah. So it was that. Number two, it was very um, sparsely you know, distributed around the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Fair and, and that, what that was Correct. So you, you had a situation where... Um, you know, not, not only was it you know, relatively hard to find, but you had um, my gold in Europe is the same as your gold in the US, is the same as someone else's gold in Australia and all that sort of stuff. So, so we had this common uh, unit that had some interesting chemical attributes and, and a bunch of very interesting physical attributes like shiny, heavy, dense and all this sort of stuff. So its inherent attributes uh, helped uh, make it hard money. And along the way, we found other things that we also used as money, but over time society converged on gold mm -hmm. being the ideal one because of its attributes. And mm -hmm. and this is why I think like Bitcoin and crypto is this um, this like um, condensing five thousand years of that discovery process into fifty years. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, whilst you know silver for a time, you know, for a couple centuries, you know, in different pockets around the world was also used as a standard. Um, it generally, you know, fell over because, you know, people uh, wanted gold because it was more broadly accessible. So, you know, if we're talking about a couple hundred years, you know, in that sort of time scale, maybe even a thousand years in that sort of time scale, like in, in the scale that we're using, it is perfectly normal to assume that we're going to have some short-term noise across, you know, other things that might sound interesting for a couple of years but eventually have liquidity sucked out of them because they don't have the, the strength and the primitives that this other one-off event um, has. Mm -hmm. you know, and when I call, you know, I, I'm referring obviously to Bitcoin as this one-off event. Um, you know, like you cannot, um, like the, the, the fixed supply and that immaculate conception element of Bitcoin is something that has like literally defined um, its hardness and strength. Whereas, the, the, the fact that, um, you know, we're trying to find product market fit in, in Ethereum to, you know, initially build a world computer to now somehow um, trying to backwards engineer a hard money is, is I think, a mm. fool's errand because it's like we, we've got hard money now. So now, like, you're not going to displace that. Um, you know, backwards I, engineering I is, that, isn't right. Like, because that, that it alludes to, like, we're trying to... To trying to do this on purpose it's just emerging no one's really steering oh. eip 1559 it's not it's what i'm talking about is making is about how it's relevant to being a money but what it really was was a mechanism for um solving the uh the fee estimation from wallets and so it was it was just a useful tool to make it like a a here's the market rate for getting your transaction into a blockchain into the blockchain and then the, the whole burning mechanism is just a, a means to an end to solve that problem. 
and it so happens that it maps on to good economic policy uh, that we that we've modeled in the U.S. dollar. Good right. economic the policy. Still, that the that best we that we the world has ever seen so far, and now we're making it better with Ethereum. Man, I I don't know if like we could argue that it's the best the world has ever seen. I I think we um we've done some really weird shit that um you know and the only reason that things are still functioning is because America has a big dick to swing around. Mm -hmm. Um, not not because I mean that's a measure of success. Have been intelligent. Uh, uh, it's a measure of yeah, success. It's it's a measure of success that is probably less um related to economic policy and more related to timing. You know, uh, mm -hmm. post World War mm -hmm. Two, yeah, um, as opposed to anything else. But um, I mean that that that's another. Discussion. Well, the right thing is that the U.S. dollar and the reason. So uh, in Bretton Woods, there's an argument, and you talk about this in your presentation of do we do like global mm -hmm. coin or do we do dollars? And they went with dollars because they essentially trusted the U.S. to be the custodian of the hard money, the natural money, which is gold. And then eventually there was a bait and switch. So. I don't even know if it's a monetary policy policy thing. It was just ride the network effects of gold, mm -hmm. get the liquidity, get you know, entrench yourself, then bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fucking brilliant move. <laughs> it was an absolutely brilliant. And move that was that also part. emergent. Just by the way, yeah. it took multiple generations of leaders Correct. to pull off the bait and yeah. switch. Yeah, like my, my argument about like you know everything functionally emerges, right? Whether we you know whether we think we're guiding it or not, just some things emerge and then just blow up because of you know. Uh, you know the, the the primitives or the foundation upon which you know they've emerged are um a shaky unsound you know quicksandy and all of that and and that that's where i truly truly believe that um ethereum sits in that department because it was fundamentally designed like what i love about the um you know the bitcoin narrative it was designed to be fucking money so it took all of this uh you know these disparate uh components like you know proof of work and decentralization mm -hmm. and economic incentives and all, like it mashed this recipe together for the purpose of delivering two things and those mm -hmm. two things are digital immutability and digital scarcity like that's it right and what we can develop with digital immutability and digital scarcity is a global monetary settlement network and a digital unit that can map directly to work, time, and energy, mm -hmm. which is what we as constituents in a society input um, into society. So, so we can now measure effectively um, work. So, so, so that that's what it did. That was like the thing. So then, what Ethereum and all the other guys are doing is they're trying to take that uh, recipe and apply it to other things. And what they're finding is, you know, the first application of World Computer didn't really work. The second application of ICOs turned into a fucking disaster the third application of you know collectibles nobody gives a shit um you know this fourth application now of trying to like you know do some DeFi stuff or whatever is um is going on again it's just um totally working it, it, like <laughs> it, well, it's not no it's not yeah it's it's absolutely not working i'm I mean, using I, it I right now seen... i use it every Correct, single day but what you you're looking at it on a short time frame mm. like this is fine when when um you know the, the problem with like again Venezuela and Zimbabwe were working mm -hmm. whilst they were working, but they were built on this hollow, mm -hmm. you know, core. And, and that's the problem here is we've got this hollow core. And, and it may not be, let's, let's argue that it's not 100% hollow. Let's argue that there is some interesting stuff mm -hmm. going on here. The, the fact is it's just not strong enough to, to compete with Bitcoin. So as that liquidity, um, you know, converges on and around Bitcoin, um, 
you know, because Bitcoin's more a monetary play, so it's more Lindy compatible than a technology play. Technology plays are not Lindy compatible, so you've also got that um, element there. Um, you know, Ethereum's got so much more to battle with than Bitcoin, um, you know, f for those very reasons. And, um, and, and all you're going to have is people's self-interest um, driving them to allocate capital where they believe it's most, um, most safe. Um, and that is going to then continue to, you know, give Bitcoin an accelerated effect. So for every year that Bitcoin grows, Ethereum is going to need to grow five or ten years to catch up. So, so it just so you end up with this runaway fucking train. And you know, whilst you know, I, I agree that you know you guys have some developer mind share. You know, that there's some interesting you know stuff going on with you know the effectively you know credit credit markets and derivative markets that you know are trying to be built like around DYDX and you know whatever the fuck else is going on there. I, I used to be really interested in that stuff, but I, what I just realized was you, you, we're building all of that like in the Ethereum space. All of that is being built on a house of cards. So like all it takes is for mm you know, the core to have a hiccup for, for the entire thing to come crashing down. Whereas no, Bitcoin's taking the a first principles approach. So it's, the can I just jump in? This is exactly why I say, where's Bitcoin going to be? Because of this idea mm -hmm. of like every year that Bitcoin goes, if you're not keeping up or if you're not two Xing it, you're just falling behind. Right. Mm. So it's, it's the, the whole stack of cards things I think is, is, uh, missing the point of what and in, in Bitcoiners and Ethereum, we always end up talking past each other because we're always shooting for different mm -hmm. things. And you said like Bitcoin was designed to be money and Ethereum is being designed on accident to be an economy. And so it's this this whole DeFi ecosystem is actually the, the mechanism at which Ethereum as a foundation solidifies and calcifies. And so it's because of DeFi is why Ethereum is going to get harder and harder and harder and a better foundation over time. Because okay, so we establish this economy. Why? My, yeah, why? Because DeFi pulls Ether off of the secondary market in order to do things in it. Because you need collateral to be trustless and permissionless. And so it establishes the value of Ether because it can't be replaced. Nothing can but replace why, why Ether. Why is this important? Because when that happens, the price of Ether solidifies, right? It has like this, this foundation to, to not fall against, which means that the more and more Ether pulled off the secondary market means that the Ether staking is more and more lucrative because the less, the less Ether is on, on the staking rate, is the, the, the more is paid per, per staker. It's, that's the algorithm, right? Like the less security there is, the more the security budget increases and vice versa. Which means that the more ether in DeFi means that there's more um, more value to be collected from stakers. Which means that the Ethereum uh, security system is calcifying; it's getting locked, and therefore, and both of these two things are pulling on the U.S. dollar price, but because they're pulling the uh, the ether off of the secondary market. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, th they're all assumptions today, anyway. Um, well, this is currently like, happening. Well, except uh, for staking. Yeah. Okay. So the foundation <laughs> of your assumption is, on is that this will hopefully yeah. work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So so let's let's chunk up further. Why is any of that important? Like, if we've got hard money now with mm -hmm. Bitcoin and a digital immutable scarce mm -hmm. unit that is fixed in supply, so right. we've got the holy fucking grail mm -hmm. for what money should be. Mm -hmm. Why is any of this other shit important? Because Bitcoin's capturable. Capturable in what way? In the same way that gold is capturable. All the central banks have all the gold. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not perfectly mapping onto that because, because... The argument is that Bitcoin's broken. That's a whole no, argument no, that's for not any my, altcoin. that's not my argument. 
Bitcoin, Decred, ETH, all of them. It's that this part of Bitcoin's broken. We fixed it. So what Ethereum does is it enables institutions that can't capture. And so we have we have the ability to write code that mimics like Wells Fargo and it mimics, you know, stock exchanges and it mimics all these companies that are, you know, they're supposed to generate revenue, right? Which is a form of capturing. And so we can write these applications that can't capture. There is nothing wrong with companies being built sure. around sure. Uh, bu being built on a network. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, what I'm trying to do with Amber long term is I want to build a bank mm -hmm. where, you know, what, what I believe. So, so I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a mental model. Um, today, the banking banks and the banking system effectively provide a function and an access point to consumers in the world mm -hmm. for three primary functions, the ability to send, store and receive money. Um, what Bitcoin's done, so, so before I say Bitcoin, um, the, the banks not only provide the access point and the service point for consumers to perform those functions, but the bank also performs the function. In a Bitcoin world, the function of store, send, receive mm -hmm. happens at the protocol level. Right. So then the future financial institution is that which is built you know, and leverages the Bitcoin network in order to provide access to those functions to people. Mm -hmm. So as a result, the, the function cannot be stopped, the function cannot be controlled. What you end up having is you end up having thousands or hundreds of thousands of effectively financial institutions or banks of the future that have to compete on providing better totally. access points, better service in order to provide this thing. And the beauty of it is, is for the first time in history, we'll have an entire mm -hmm market-driven banking infrastructure where the, the the institutions or the services or the products, effectively banks will become products, mm -hmm. that deliver the financial services to people do not have to go to a central bank or a government right. to request permission in order to provide that totally. um, right. service. It's a huge that improvement. Is the, correct. It, it is the central bank of the internet. Right. It is the open mm -hmm. central bank of the internet that anybody right. connect to and anybody mm -hmm. can run. So so we've got that. So, so I don't see how... That is, a, that is um, capturing uh, Bitcoin in any way, shape, or form. So, and again, we're, 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 this is the difference between a Bitcoiner and a Ethereum because we just have different goals for what we want our thing to do. Um, and so, like, again, Bitcoin is going to totally do everything that you just said. And at the mm -hmm. same time, Ethereum will still be building applications that do all those same things where zero fees are being taken. And you're going from, from peer to peer rather than company to company. Zero fees? No, but okay. So zero fees, first of all, is bad. Number one, um, and number two is um, when the protocol. Uh, yeah, why? Why are they they bad? When you can like, I mean, okay. So there, it's not zero fees, but it's there's zero middlemen. Let me take say that. Every yeah, the whole mid point. Middlemen of are really is, important in any society. Middlemen provide a service. Right. Okay. And so the best they, they, win. The application is the middleman. It's a non-rent seeking middleman. Yeah, but well, that's really fucking bad because there's nothing to support than the application. But they're getting built anyways. <laughs> but that, that's what I mean. So there's nothing to support them long term. So they're just going to fall over because there's no... There's, there's, there's they don't no, need support. See, what, they don't need maintenance. Yes, they do. They Every, just run. Everything, ev they don't just run because you need, some, you need some sort of economic driver to support a network. So Bitcoin doesn't just run. Mm -hmm. You know, Bitcoin runs because there's an economic incentive to run it. Right. Everything that you've described to me with respect to Ether is you guys are trying to build economic incentives through staking and all this sort of stuff mm -hmm. so that it can run. Sure, these, that's different though. These quasi-networks 
are supposed to have also their own economic incentive mm -hmm. for them to run and they're going to need to they're going to require liquidity in order to function mm -hmm. properly and you, you've got this chicken and egg problem that you, I, I really don't think you're going to be able to solve so like the whole point of ethereum is that you can build applications that cost zero things to run so like uniswap is this exchange on ethereum that doesn't that cost hayden the guy that wrote it anything to run it he just built it and now it runs and and all of the cost how about of state rent huh how about state rent uh i'm not too familiar with with what is charged with state rent but no that uniswap would not be charged state rent that's like if you want to like have data on on the chain like like a, an image or or like some some hash that's ridiculous it's not not so application what's the business huh? what's the uniswap business model uh so well it's there isn't one <laughs> it okay, ju it's so, just this so, application that people can okay. come and use and so what and why people come and supply liquidity to it is because it charges in the application itself charges a 0.3 percent fee that goes to the liquidity providers but nothing goes to hayden and, and nothing goes and to uniswap who, and who are the liquidity providers anyone who comes and submits uh, Ether and the other token that you are trading against. And so the way Uniswap works is there's pools of, of at each asset and buyers mm -hmm. and sellers come and take one thing out of pool A and put the other thing in pool B when they make a trade. Uh, and then that resets the price. The, balance, the, the size of the pools determines the price uh, algorithmically. And people, mm -hmm. if you want to supply liquidity, you get 0.3%. And then there's also market inefficiencies, right? So like if you come and upset the balance, traders come and rebalance it. And the market, in, yeah, yeah okay. the market inefficiencies uh, yeah, I, I get it. Okay, go that's to liquidity noble. providers. And, and why, why can't someone do that on Bitcoin? Because <laughs> you can't do it on Bitcoin. There's no smart contracts. Why not? Yes, there is. No, there are, we, some, we have... there are some programs, but it is not programmable. Okay. Um, and why could you not do that as a um, as a service on Bitcoin? You could like just build a program. But then we then... would have our old model of, of the world, which is businesses that rent seek, which, again, is the point of businesses. And I'm not saying it's bad, Correct. but we can do without it on Ethereum. It's more no, efficient no, no. to do it on Ethereum. I, I, I would I would um, disagree because um, I guess if everything has to be a protocol, then maybe, but not everything needs to be a protocol, right? Like your trading protocols, Uniswap and all this other stuff. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I don't think that necessarily like protocolizing everything is more efficient than actually having individual businesses with skin in the game. Yeah, correct. Providing services. Correct, correct. Because like the service needs to evolve. Like who's, who's going to adapt it and adjust it? Like I, I got to go get somebody at my door. I'll be right back. Sorry. Okay, go, go, go. I don't understand what the economic incentive is to like improve it or to make it better or to, to do any of that sort of stuff if the thing doesn't actually make money. Again, apparently it's going to be this ossified uh, smart contract that just, you know, continues to deliver better service because of liquidity or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, just, I, like... I understand the Uniswap concept. I mean, whilst you can't do it, um, you know, uh, on Bitcoin in a manner that is supposedly decentralized, I mean, th that, that argument starts to fall over on Ethereum anyway because... But yeah, I mean, just keep talking to the mic. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that um, Ethereum is um, delivers decentralization anyway. Or, or you know, again, dis I said this to um, one of your friends last night. Actually, is decentralization is just a method to get to censorship resistance. You know, yeah, decentralization is not an outcome. No one gives a fuck about decentralization. All right, I'm back. Yo, you're back. Um, yeah. So I was just 
saying about um, Uniswap. <laughs> yeah, take Yo. off the shirt. <laughs> you got to get in the uniform, bro. Um, so so this this whole um, Uniswap thing, like, I, I get it. I've actually mm-hmm. spoken to someone um, about building a service on Bitcoin mm-hmm. um, that, that does something similar with, um, with Tether um, and, you know, gets stronger, obviously, with liquidity and all that sort of stuff, um, but, but to actually build a business model around it. Um, but I guess, you know, the, you know, the, the argument that you guys have is, oh, it's better for, you know, that to be done via a protocol because, um, you know, protocol potentially, you know, is, you know, incorruptible or maybe able to provide the service better. Like what's the incentive to, to make the, um, the protocol better though later? Like who, who has the incentive to do that? Uh, so there is V2 coming, uh, and part of the incentive Who's to building do that, uh, Hayden and the Uniswap team, which is receiving grant money from the EF. And from the, the Ethereum Foundation, and then also donations from Gitcoin, which is like, like I've donated like fifty dollars to to Uniswap to so he can continue to build this. Because yeah. the the point is is right. at some point in time it, it becomes a pretty well established and and well refined product that we don't need to continue development and it just runs. So ossifies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, sounds like you know something that you guys are so scared about happening in Bitcoin. Um, is ossification right. of the protocol. Yeah, no, so, and so, we're not so trying guess... to knock Bitcoin for that. We're just saying, like, and, and Bitcoin... Really? You don't try to knock Bitcoin for it? Yeah, we're, well, we just said I that the motivation for Bitcoin Ethereum ossifying. is that it that we think that Bitcoin ossified too soon. And I'm not, again, not like, this, this is the point of Bitcoin, and, and, and if Bitcoin didn't do that, it would be bad. Bitcoin should totally well, no, do that, but we want yeah. to do something else. Take, taking a global, you know, a blanket approach to Bitcoin ossifying is like elements of Bitcoin has have ossified, mm-hmm. which is really important. And mm-hmm. I think the right elements have ossified. Um, you know, you know, Bitcoin is like, you know, there, there was a good analogy I heard, which is like, it's like lava, right? So, you know, there's, you know, it, it obviously ossifies over time, but mm-hmm. the, the frontier is not um, ossified. But anyway, sure. that, that's another thing. So, so what, your argument about a protocol being a better way to provide a service. Mm-hmm. Um, First time services. You know, is based, Uh-oh. okay. Is, is based on what? What? Why is a protocol better than some sort of business or enterprise providing a service? Uh, okay, so let's take a compound for example. Do you know what compound is? Yeah, I've heard of it. It's some it's, sort of interest rate sort of thing. So right? it's a borrowing lending platform. Uh, yep, and yep. so uh, the current model we have is you put your money in a bank and they pay you mm-hmm. like one quarter of 1% interest rate mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. storing that money. And then they charge somebody else who's using their credit card 24%. Yep, so yep, it's, yep. it's, it, and that's the middle great, man. Great business model. Great. Yep. Yeah. They make a ton of money, but mm-hmm. if we can just build that into an application, which we've done with compound people that supply, uh, to the, the compound market receive, like if it's die, they're receiving like six to 8% and then it yeah, goes so, straight so to the borrowers. About that because that, that, that can be solved in many ways. That that's, that's not a problem of technology. That's actually a problem of regulation, right? Wait, because... wait, let, me finish, let me finish that. Yeah, okay, cool. Go. And so, yeah. and so, cause I get this. Yeah. And so like the, the borrowers are paying the lenders directly yep. rather than yep. Wells Fargo. Yep. And so it's just more, much yep. more efficient. It's much more equitable. And it, we've just abstracted away Wells, Wells Fargo to code. Correct. So, so, and how does, um, compound make money? They make a spread in that or no, they don't make money. The point of the application is to be non rent seeking. Okay, there's a very big difference between rent seeking and making money. Like this is another thing that mm, a, a lot of people misinterpret. Uh, sort of. Like if, if I'm providing a service mm-hmm. um, yeah. or I've built a product mm-hmm. that is um, useful to somebody, mm-hmm. I should definitely be charging for it because totally. if you go, go around building a bunch of shit that makes no fucking money, you start mm-hmm. to then lose the circularity um, or the benefit of the economy, right? 
So what Compound um, does is it just redefines who makes the money. So people are still making money, but it's the users that are making the money, not the application. It's just reorganized where the money goes. Yeah, but the, the, there's no incentive for the developer or the builder then to go and build that outside of just random fucking donations from some, you know, right. master foundation. Because you don't, like it doesn't need Reserve. to be sustainable. We just need to figure out what it needs to be in the future, and then we build it, and then we let it go. And it's just this thing that exists and you on a hope it'll be all good. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, so, okay, let, let's come back to why protocols are better than businesses, you know, running things. I feel like you mentioned before the word decentralization, like somehow a decentralized protocol mm -hmm. is better than um, a thing. Why, why is that the case? Why is a decentralized protocol better than what? Yeah, than, than a centralized party offering a service outside of, mm -hmm. let's, say, let's say the costs to the end user are the same, like because mm -hmm. you know, there's one person who's incentivized to continually improve their product because they got mm -hmm. some skin in the game and they're mm -hmm. making money and they can sort of bring the cost down. Whereas the other one has, you know, is this protocol that's sort of been let to go. But the, the, the net cost to the consumer is the same. Why is one better than the other? Uh, okay, so if, if, the, if the question is generally, why are businesses that we've copied the business model and turned into applications on Ethereum, why is that better than traditional businesses? Is that the question? Yep. Yeah, basically. Because there's no fees or more what I would like to call minimal viable fees. And so it's much more equitable because... The supply and the supply and the demand side just are connected directly rather than going through a middleman. And what finance is and what economies are are trying to find the most efficient ways to do this. And so it's much more efficient to go through a protocol that's been built that that abstracts away the middleman and just just okay. eliminates him. So so that that's a nice theory in mind. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think and that's a noble you know mm -hmm. goal, right? Mm -hmm. So so I, I so I get the premise of that. Um, do you think there's a problem with um, with building it on something that and maybe I don't know if this point's even going to be valid for you because you know I don't think we're going to agree, but um, right. So you're is it building you know, on a on a structure that's not found like foundationally strong? Correct. Like yeah. something that is not. All, um, when all know, of these applications are built and more and more of them are built, like we have more maker DAOs, more Uniswaps, more compounds, that's the thing that makes the foundation stronger because of the way the okay, token so you, economics in Ether work. Okay. So you think that is going to bring yes. liquidity yes. on Ether and strength? Yes. Interesting gamble. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it's not even, and this is why I, I kind of get frustrated when Bitcoiners and Ethereans argue is because we just have different goals. We're, we're trying to do different things. They're, ki they're going to be competitive at the end of the day because there's a limited amount of value in the world. But for right now, we're just doing different things with our effort. Yeah, I don't know if it's, okay. I mean, pro probably different goals. I think very different methods. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, um, I mean... Yeah, like I, I would, I would almost argue that um, well not almost, but I, I would argue that the the method whereby um, you know, enterprising individuals, entrepreneurs, and businesses are incentivized to build um, products and services and businesses, you know, on a superior network, is gonna. I think that's where the the winner take all market's gonna be. Much like the internet, like you had um. You know, AOL who tried to redefine the internet and provide all the services on there cheaper, freer, faster, and all that sort of stuff. And mm -hmm. then you had um, the internet, which was this dumb packet routing network mm -hmm. that provided a you know a foundation upon which 
um, businesses such as Google, Amazon, Netflix, etc., were built on, and they used that infrastructure to provide, you know, superior services. And because there was an economic incentive, they could continue competing in the market mm-hmm. to become the best um, that they were. I, I just feel like that is um, that's a more functional way mm-hmm. um, to build a society and to build an economy. And so, if you think that like Uniswap could be improved, you have the incentive to go out and do it. Because but the theoretically, are... if it's but theoretically, new uh, new Uniswap would suffer from not having any liquidity on it. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, right. It, like, if Uniswap is supposed to work the way that it works and is like this money Lego that gets stacked on top of, mm-hmm. you're also, you know, saying that it's going to be very difficult to remove it in the future mm-hmm. when it's like this like money stack. This is why I, when I say DeFi is a house of cards, is because you guys are building with these pieces, and all of a sudden, guess what? Compound Two has this back door, and Compound's United, located in the United States, and their lawyers are Americans, and all of their CEOs right. are Americans, and boom, forty percent of die is inside of Compound, and guess what? That brick gets pulled out, then all of a sudden the house of cards comes falling down, yeah, right? It's, right. So it's very decentralized. It's not decentralized. It's actually intertwined. It's actually very similar to our current system current, where it's yeah. bad thing it's tied fragile. into bad yeah, thing tied into bad thing yeah. and it creates this like really heavy thing that's built on nothing. Well, so the solution to that is just fixing the back door, right? Like it's it's not that hard. And it's, it's fixing the protocol, which is actually really hard when everything is built on top of these money lakes. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's like, again, it's like hard. replacing a business is different than replacing the protocol stack. Yeah, correct. Like if you like, so so the 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 you know coming from first principles, like what's powerful about Bitcoin and the ecosystem building on it is that anything on top can fail um, without impacting. You know, so so it's not Bitcoin's not top heavy. Um, whereas it, what's happening with Ethereum is it's going to become very very top heavy because you you guys are expecting all of this, you know, off-chain or DeFi stuff to bring liquidity into mm-hmm. it. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's I, I guess the argument here is that that is a very fragile way to approach this, whereas Bitcoin is a very anti-fragile way to approach it. So part um, of the and, way that Ethereum's token economics work is that when Ethereum becomes top-heavy, value falls down to the, the bottom of the stack, which Ether is always at the bottom of the stack. So it, it's designed to always have a balanced foundation to how top heavy it is. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, you guys hope totally it is. is. You guys hope it is. Well, you hope that's, it is. That's it, it, that's what it hasn't functioned that way. It hasn't functioned that way. Right, because we're still building it. It's yeah, it's it, it's mean. a so fucking that, beta. That's what Ethereum is in beta. Know, dude, it's it's an alpha. It's not even a beta. Not okay. Nowhere near a beta. Whatever. It's not like, in the final product. Absolutely not. Like, Where's Bitcoin gonna be? Yeah, like, Bitcoin doing is the final different product. things. We're doing different things. I don't think anyone actually believes that. I do. Well, may- maybe when you're talking world computer, you were doing a different thing. Then maybe when you're talking, you know, ICOs, we're doing mm-hmm. a different thing. But ne- what what I feel like now is that the, you know, I think the Ethereum community has sort of realized that you know the real game here is building an economy. Mm-hmm. At least if you want uh, a number to go up. Yeah, correct. Um, so you know, it, it's you know, the, the the pivot is not accidental. Right. Um, it's because we and, discovered it. Well. Correct. You, what, you know, the market has realized mm-hmm. that, hey, you know, this is the game here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I mean, I mean, do, do, just do the math. <laughs> like, you know, ca- catching up is going to be impossible. Um, and, and, you know, do, you know, reverse engineering how to catch up is going to be mm-hmm. um, is impossible. But look, I mean, as long as you hold most of your money in Bitcoin and just treat Ethereum as an experimental thing, um, that's great. I also think that longer term, any of the cool shit that ends up being built on Ethereum will end up anchoring into Bitcoin anyway. 
um, and it will just be an abstracted layer. We're already, already seeing a little bit of this process too with you know trying to get BTC onto Ethereum in any which way. Yeah, I mean that's one thing. Yeah, exactly. But but I feel like some of the um like some of the novel uh, iterations that we'll have um from um from sorry some of the novel ideas that'll come out of this Ethereum experiment and the DeFi experiment will end up anchoring into the one network that gives mm -hmm. a guarantee of you know immutability and scarcity um, and knowledge of you know where supply is at. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I feel like at some point we're all going to work together anyway. Um, totally. Because you know, one just has a foundation, mm -hmm. and one is like really, you know, pushing the envelope in some areas. Um, so anyway, as long as as long as we remain friends, and as long as you just hold most of your wealth in Bitcoin, <laughs> then you'll be sweet. All right, should we wrap it up? Yeah, um, I think this conversation went a little bit exactly how I thought it would, <laughs> but um, I think good. both sides had their chance to throw out nuggets in there, mm -hmm. um, and I hope that for viewers and listeners that. One, you enjoy our beautiful tans and chiseled bodies, but also <laughs> that um, that you got to learn a little bit more about the different uh, mental models that are used for um, the you know investing into these protocols. Um, ultimately, that's kind of the goal of POV crypto. Uh, but with that being said, uh, make sure to follow follow Alex and Alex. Where can people find you, and who do you want to hear from? Uh, who do I want to hear from? I don't know anyone. Um, I'm I'm on Twitter at Alex Svetsky. So A L E K S S V E T S K I. Um, and the Amber app is the other one. So it's just literally at the Amber app. Um, hit me up on there. But what do you mean by who do I want to hear from? Yeah, I mean, do you want people to hit you up saying like, "Great job talking about Bitcoin"? Oh, do you want, they want, do you want just, investors just, to talk to you? Do you want I, I, as, to, as, as long as as long as feed? as long as XRP people stop messaging me, I'm happy. <laughs> It's just pissing me off now. Yeah. <laughs> it's I just think we can all agree on that. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, exactly. And the rest of bots. Yeah. Uh -huh. Cool. Uh, David, I really appreciate the chat, man. Yeah, dude, this is great. I always love a good Bitcoin versus Ethereum conversation. Cool, man. All right, guys. You can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Medium. Christian. Yep, you can follow me at CK underscore snarks. Uh, make sure to check out the Amber app if you guys live in Australia. I've been playing around with it. It's really freaking cool. And I know it's far away, but don't don't sleep on Bitcoin 2020. Fantastic conference. You can get tickets for 50 bucks in Bitcoin right now. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, Alex will be there. Same with David, hopefully. I'll be there. If he doesn't hate me by then. <laughs> Peace. I want, I want to come hang out on your roof. Fantastic. All right, see you guys. Take care.